everyone, welcome to this episode 14, I believe. Yeah, episode 14 of the LLP podcast. I'm James, and today I'm joined by uh, Chris, who wrote a article for us. Remember, we have three different types of submissions at LLP. We have the playgrounds, the walkthroughs, and the articles, and today Chris is going to be talking about his article uh, titled, let me get the title here. It's called, it's quite a long title. On the similarities of, one second, there it is. On the similarities of slaying dragons and ordering food. So from the title, we can uh, get the idea that this is going to be about maybe role-playing and maybe task-based teaching. And so I'm going to be asking Chris uh, about his ludic, his language, and his ped pedagogical uh, focus in the paper, as well as his uh, kind of best bits. And we're also joined by the, the lovely reviewers here. We had three reviewers for this paper. We had Jake, uh, Rob, and Rose. Uh, so we're going to be asking them for a brief comment about what they thought about the paper. And uh, yeah, let's get started. So Chris, tell us about yourself. Where are you from? And uh, why did you write this paper? Let's start there. So um, <clears throat> I'm from Germany. And I decided to become a German language teacher when I was um, living in Japan. I was uh, working at an English conversation lounge and it kind of made me happy to see when people started to understand something that, that like that small light bulb that is going on, this, this being switched on the moment you explain something. And so it led me to studying German as a foreign language and I ended up in Korea. And yes, about the ludic part. So I'm focusing on tabletop role-playing games, which are basically a mixture of board game, cooperative storytelling, and um, and theater. Mm -hmm. So, did, did you get yeah. into TRPGs before language teaching, or was it after language teaching? How does that work? Yes, I actually, um, when I was, I think, 11 years old, I moved from northern, northern Germany to southern Germany. I was pretty sh a pretty shy student. I had a mild stutter. And I ended up in one of the board game clubs in my town, and they offered some RPG rounds. And actually, they helped me to get rid of the stutter, and they mm. helped, me get, helped me develop a mindset of actually uh, becoming more outgoing and standing up for what I believe in and just experiencing different roles helped me to uh, prepare myself for daily life. Mm. And when I was um, in college, I, I was invited to um, a DSR, which is um, Das Schwarze Auge, The Black Eye. It's a German role-playing game focusing on medieval um, contents. And I was invited to a group... Um, that was related to one of uh, my good friends, and there was a Bulgarian guy who actually learned German through it, and who felt that he improved his German language skills uh, tremendously through um, playing role-playing games. And this kind of got me on the idea of using role-playing games for language learning. Hmm. Amazing. Um, I know. I think the last time we did a podcast was basically. Yeah, Jake's paper, which was um, looking at uh, TRPGs in the Japanese uh, my, my EFL classroom, so English for, as a foreign language classroom. So we seem to have a lot of, and I know Rob has done some work, hasn't published anything for LLP yet, 
but uh, I know he's done some work. Got something in mind. <laughs> it's, it's coming down the, the pipe. <laughs> so we we have some some similarities here, and it seems that you know these kinds of papers, these seems that the world has finally kind of clicked onto the fact that maybe TRPGs and uh, language learning are uh, you know linked very very closely. So I think that you know your paper here. Um, uh, Chris is kind of a, a stake in the sand to say, you know, these these are the exact similarities. Go do it, kind of thing, right? Is that is that fair to say? Yes, that was my intention actually, um, because um, so far I I mean I, I haven't read um, Jake's and Rob's paper um, when I was uh, coming up with the idea of comparing okay. uh, TBLT to TRPG, but from the papers I saw, it was mostly some some projects that. It were more or less successful, but um, just an underlying structure of how to implement them pedagogically um, mm. was missing. So that is what I wanted to provide. Um, I found out that Rob, as well as Jake, um, did the same for other theories. Um, but I've I've only discovered the uh, your papers later on. So mm-hmm. from what I've discovered before, it seems like there were there were a couple of lone wolves fighting. And there needed to be some connection and groundwork uh, established. And that was what I was trying to do with task-based language teaching. Nice. Okay, I've got a couple of questions regarding the language side of things then. Sure. So let's start with, hmm. well, I guess it's a fairly simple question to answer, but maybe not at the same time. What what language skills do you think TPRGs are particularly um, geared towards? teaching or you know um, helping students with what what language it could be anything but particularly this what do you think guys Uh, i'll ask this to everybody starting with chris then what what do you think in terms of language what are the benefits of trpgs so i think um the really interesting thing about trpg is that you control everything through your language so you're describing the characters you're describing your experiences as a player you're describing um, uh, the game system, and you're also embodying the character. So there's a very large language part. And so basically what I think you can, is that you can simulate um, almost every real-life situation through TRPG. Mm. So you can virtually simulate any occasion in which you could or would use language. Yeah, I think um, uh, if we think about the four language skills, obviously TTRPGs lend themselves a lot more to the oral language skills. But I've experimented a lot with having students do written and reading things that align with those same tasks. And and I've studied TTRPG game sessions and what kind of languages students spontaneously and naturally produce. And it really matches well up with intermediate and advanced level tasks from the actual uh, speaking um, proficiency scale. So I think that they're really targeting, as as Chris says, practical, real life language tasks. Mm. There's an interesting um, paradox in a way. Then uh, I know this is um, mentioned in Chris's paper, but this idea of authentic or real world language use. Uh, now, ostensibly, we're in a extremely unreal situation in these often fantasy worlds right um so how do you you know square this this hole how do you get this uh how do you get the real world language use but you know it's a fantasy world what 
what is the connection there how, how do you make that right um this this is going to be a little bit a little bit of a long explanation but start with what um my professor professor herman funk told me and um he's an expert on um authentic tasks and his definition of authentic is something is authentic if the learners believe it is authentic so not if it's actually authentic materials hmm. and um what also brought me on the uh, brought me towards the idea that trpg can be considered authentic is uh, were some works from um, Scandinavia. Um, Scandinavia is very much invested into educational LARP, so live action role play. Right, right, right. They Nordic have LARP, conferences right. there. Yeah. Exactly, Nordic LARP. And I read some papers from there, and um, I, I think it was Eric Fedland who um, worked on interaction codes, and he claims that even, even when we go to the fantasy genre, um, we end up using interactional codes and interactional patterns that that are human in itself. Mm. That, um, for instance, if we go to a medieval setting, we um, even if it's fantasy or a lot of the rings, we still use some kind of medieval language or what we perceive to be fit in an in a historic setting. So even in those cases, you use uh, you might use um, authentic language. So I, I've also got my own ideas about this, and it's, it's been written in a few papers in the past that. Um, the task you that you're undertaking, if it's meaningful to you, then it, it's authentic, essentially, right? If, if regardless of the setting, if it's fantasy or not, uh, if you're invested in that uh, as as a as a, a genuine, you know, authentic thing, then it's going to feel real to you. So, and like you said, you're using real world, um, uh, you're using a language, so. As long as it feels meaningful and authentic to you, then yeah, it can be considered authentic. I think. Any any other comments on that? The idea of uh, the language. I think the tasks the tasks are definitely authentic, right? Asking mm. questions, clarifying, mm. describing people, places, things, negotiating, <laughs> planning. Yeah. These are all things that we do outside of the game. Yeah. Now there are some things that sometimes my students will encounter specific vocabulary words that they might not use outside the game, like mm -hmm. cauldron, magic <laughs> spell, but. Um, you can pre-teach those if you wanted, or just as they arise, you know. And especially when I'm teaching online, um, then we just we Google a picture of it, right? And we learn <laughs> what it is to do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think that the tasks, the type of tasks, even if the the specific vocabulary might not always be um, as relevant. Hmm. You know, it reminds me also that if a student is reading a book or watching a series or a movie um, in a general, like a fantasy one, that's, I mean, a movie is an authentic, you know, it's not authentic because it's modern language because you can use in the real world now. And in my view, it's authentic because that's what we encounter on our daily right, lives, right? right? right. Like, I watch a lot of fantasy mm. um, genre um, for Chinese and Korean. Mm. So, um, you know, it's still, it's the kind of language that I encounter um, on my entertainment, right, right, you know, right. daily basis. So I need, to, I need to be able to understand and talk about what the things I like, you know. So I think, in a sense, um, is it still authentic? Yeah, that's true. Even if uh, the genre is fantasy, the, it doesn't mean modern mm. in terms of like contemporary kind of language, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Perfect. That's my, my take on it. Brilliant. And I would like to add to what Rob said, because that's, um, that's exactly what the what drama ped pedagogy says. Um, they basically say then uh, that if you, if you read a script, if you play theater, if you're actually joining in a play, then you're faced, maybe you're not faced with authentic language, but you're, a fa you're faced with authentic situations. Because if, if a drama is art, if we don't understand, if the commun uh, communicational patterns and the tasks and challenges are, are art and not, uh, not understandable by means of the audience, then nobody will, will actually watch, watch the, the theater piece. Hmm. So... I think that, that while that's, the, yeah. oh, go on. sorry, sorry. Yeah. So while the language might be, might be of course unnatural because we're trying to to follow a rhyme scheme or, or just whatever. It, but essentially, um, it's still um, focusing on real life human interaction and real life human problems, and it presents us with um, modes in which those problems were solved. So. Actually, I think the same goes for TRPGs. Hmm. And I think that's the, the same what uh, Rob was aiming for, right? Hmm. Um, I got a couple of questions then regarding this. Uh, hmm. I did have. Maybe they've gone now. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the pedagogy well, well, then, very briefly. Oh, Rob, if you wanted to add. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think one of the great things that uh, Chris's paper does, and this is a problem I had as I was writing about this and getting it published in a journal writing about my use of TTRPGs is one of the some of the reviewers thought it was great and one of the reviewers says what is this like what is the pedagogical um, foundation or pillar that this is based on and um, I couldn't really explain it very well and they said well you ought to take a look at, at task-based language teaching mm -hmm. and I think that, you know that's when I've encountered some of the papers that you wrote James about mm -hmm. this iterative model mm -hmm. and preparing students for gaming and that's where it really solidified to me that really this is task-based language Absolutely. teaching yeah and so Chris's paper does a great job at helping uh, us understand how we can use task-based language teaching as a model mm -hmm. for structuring our paper um, and, and I think that that's a really important thing that we need to communicate when people use this. We're not just having fun. We're following a, a tried and tested model for how language is learned. Yes. Um, but we're having fun doing it. Mm -hmm. One thing I might like to add here uh, in terms of task-based stuff is that a TRPG, and uh, please tell me if you have a different view on this, is that it offers a space to create an emergent narrative. So whereas when you go into the classroom as a teacher, you might have a plan laid out what you're going to teach that day, just in a traditional classroom, and what you hope the students are going to accomplish by the end of it. Now you do that as a, as a dungeon master too, but uh, it's a smaller group, right? You're not, you're not DMing uh, or being a dungeon master for 30 people, probably. It's usually, you know, between three and five people. And those people are in constant communication with one another. The groups are, you know, because it's a smaller group, they're tight-knit, they each have their own powers and abilities, they're all kind of vital to what's going on in the situation. So, uh, in that case, you know, you don't really know what the, what the players are going to do. Uh, so you could set a task for them and they could solve it or not. You don't even know. Uh, but, in, but they're still solving it linguistically whether it, maybe the characters fail 
but they're still going through the speech acts and the uh, the verbal motions, the language uh, to try and accomplish something. So it, it's really an, an interesting genre, I think, to be exploring right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. Uh, I think that that is one of the hurdles for people. I think there's two major hurdles for people that want to perhaps in, integrate a TRPG into their classroom. The, first, the one that you're mentioning here is the fact that a teacher may feel out of their depth that I don't know what language is going to emerge. How do I know what to prepare? And how do I deal with uh, all of these groups that may have different language points? Um, that's the first one, I think. Um, and that, that's what I've tried to, do, to uh, show in, the, in, in my own context, is that students analyze their own language and find their own problems, okay? Because you can't plan for all the problems that students have. So you need to get, get it much more um, student-centered and say, okay, look at what you did. Where are your problems? Once you've identified the problems, then as a teacher, we can look at, you know, maybe some grammar points or something that some errors that you've got and we can look at it together. But it becomes a lot more student centered. Right. I think that's the first major problem uh, with with or, or at least that's how pedagogically you can scaffold uh, this kind of reactive pedagogy, like looking at um, what happened post play, if you like. And then the second point here is I think that maybe I'll ask this to everybody, um, especially those that have experience teaching with TRPGs, is that. Well, how do I bring a TRPG into a class of 30? Well, first, I just want to respond to what you, sure. uh -oh. you said their genes are a language. When I first started teaching TTRPGs, we'd have sessions, and I knew they used language. And I could find evidence because we'd have recordings that they used language. Yeah. But I wasn't sure that they were getting better. And so that's when I needed to uh, implement the iterative model that mm -hmm. um, you've used in some of your, your articles, mm -hmm. where I have students go back, look at transcripts, um, of it and analyze where did they do well and where do they need to get better. And it often it involved them having to say, here was kind of the, not just the language goal, but really this was the communicative goal of the experience. Did your, you and your team solve it? And if not, what do you need to solve it? And then give them a, you know, another opportunity to go back, maybe a different content, but similar kind of task. Um, well, as, as far as dealing with a large group, this is something I'm grappling with. And I, I've tried this for the first time where I gave students um, kind of like a mini guide to what the problem was. And so one student in the group has this mini guide and I coach them. Okay, here's, here's the problem. Here's the things, maybe the obstacles they're going to encounter. You decide when they've accomplished things so you can move the narrative along. Um, and I think that's maybe one interesting approach to do it. And it worked okay with my class, but I've been thinking about more of an in information gap kind of approach to TTRPGs, where I give each student some information. Now they've got to solve a problem, but mm -hmm. they don't know who has the rest of the information they need to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. And that way it's kind of a DM-less mm -hmm. TTRPG, but they do still have to work together and they don't have all the information when they start. Hmm. Any other comments, guys? So I, I kind of I faced the first problem that you mentioned, James. Um, at first, when I started the TRPG club, um, my initial, my initial um, objective was to find out how my students would fare in an authentic TRP, TRPG setting. Right. I sent it to Jake then, right? Yeah. Yeah. So... And it didn't go that well, and um, I ended up... What, what, can you verbalize what, what didn't go well? Um, they often grasped for words, right. and I felt that 
there need there needed to be some pedagogical implementation. I started to um, anticipate uh, vocabulary that would fit for the next session, but then my students would end up deciding to go to take an entirely different route. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it, it was not the way to go. And then I discovered your paper in, um, I think, uh, Hayo Reinders' publication on new teaching trends in Japan. And I found your paper and that was the moment where where I actually found the connection to a strong GBLT um, approach. So that um, actually, rather than anticipating, we should be analyzing what was said instead of anticipating what could be said in the next session, because this is um, this is not really working well with TRPG, because then we would be um, what is called railroading the adventure. Mm. So we would kind of pull our students through the adventure instead of giving them the main role and the function to co-narrate uh, how the plot is going. And um, that worked out pretty well. And what Rob said, and I also discovered that with some of the papers I've read, that often students ended up using a very um, a more simplistic language when they were um, using the TRPG, because I think they were faced with um, stressful situations because they had to improvise, and the dice are um, the dice can always make you uh, can always force you to um, uh, to just give up anything you have planned, mm. and this and this kind of brings students to and this kind of makes students use a more simplistic language than they could probably use in. A normal language class when they have the time to prepare and to collect uh, the vocabulary to mm. conceptualize um, what they wanted what they wanted to phrase out and they're again analyzing their patterns of speech help them to improve their speech for the next time because as, as Rob said before um, the tasks kind of stay they don't stay the same but a reoccur. So we always we have to negotiate, we have to argue, we have to uh, we have to um, defend our opinion continuously throughout the adventure. So mm. so um, there will be new chances to uh, to actually use the language again. And when we analyze it properly and we train it properly, then they might memorize it and they can uh, they can recall. And it becomes more frequent in their uh, memory, so they can recall it quicker, and they can they yeah, don't have yeah. to conceptualize mm -hmm. it, but just use it. Yeah, a couple of couple of comments on that. You mentioned that this the the during this kind of you know authentic task of playing a TRPG, students' language might be quite short and stinted and less than you'd expect from a you know a textbook. Here's a conversation, fill in the blanks, and do it with your partner, right? Yeah, okay. I think that that that's not just um uh um it's not a TRPG issue. Uh, you you find the literature on task-based language teaching that because it's meaning focused, as long as the meaning is um you know expressed and understood by the partner, then it doesn't matter how short the me the the sentence is. And this is quite you know one of one of the things about task-based language teaching tasks themselves is that in the post-task then where we can focus on accuracy, we can then perhaps promote a longer uh expression in in a report phase or something like this okay so yeah i think that that that's um not really an issue as long as the, that kind of post task give me your your longer answer now kind of uh 
uh, accuracy focus is is uh, fine. Um, okay, I'm so, going to jump into <clears throat> about twenty minutes in now. Going to jump into just what are your um, uh, maybe top three or I don't know, just what are some of the connections between TRPGs and uh, TBLT um, for you, Chris, and others? What what do you think that the main kind of connections here are? So I think the I think I would go for meaningfulness. Okay. And so a meaning focus, or yeah, uh, it's a meaning focus, and it's perceived meaningful by the players. Mm -hmm. And also the quest orientation, I think, is something that you can really compare well with TBLT. Um, with, right. With meaningful, uh, with tests being meaningful. I mean, we've talked about this before. Um, the interactional patterns and with task reoccurring and that even even though we use use maybe um, not modern language we still use authentic tasks right. we've talked about this before yeah. um, and also as uh, I found out in some of the works um, on on people who were actually analyzing um, the narrative structures of certain game systems um, that usually um, Game designers borrow from historic contents, from his historic context. Like warfare in the Black Eye is uh, is borrowed from some of the medieval principles of warfare. So actually, some of the creators looked into historic context, context, and also with the languages, they they borrowed languages from real life, uh, from real languages. Mm -hmm. So. There, there are some authentic um, historical context actually flowing into the game system, right? Which you could also use, for instance, for comparison. Um, then it's perceived meaningful by the students because um, I think the major the major points are that we have an interesting storyline that they can influence by themselves, and mm. this is what. But the German um, researcher uh, Laura Flöter is saying um, she makes the connection of um, immersing yourself into the storyline and um, the storyline being interesting. So when I dive deeper, when I plunge deeper into my character, mm. I perceive the storyline as more interesting. I perceive it more realistically, which in turn uh, lets me dive into the character even deeper. Right. So this is, I think, one of the key issues with um, with meaningfulness because you dive into the character, and the character has to survive. So you have to survive. <laughs> yeah. Because you're in character. So there's there's kind of an in, you you get invested in it, right? You get exactly in the character. Yeah, interesting. Exactly. Rather you start... rather than what we just mentioned about, let's say you've got a conversation on page three, and it you know fill in the gaps for your own context. That then is it's done and over in like one one session, uh, something like this that has uh you know multiple sessions you can get invested and uh yeah exactly and um great you're not only getting invested you're um you're actually perceiving things from a character perspective mm. this is what um what is called bleed in or bleed out in mm. the nord in the nordic larp uh, sphere which is basically that attitudes attitudes or um values or learning content contents can actually um, move from the character to the player or vice versa. And I've experienced that um, when I was doing LARP. Um, I had people who were friends in real life, but enemies in character, and 
after a lab event, they would they would just seize any contact for a week. <laughs> and I also had this with one of my one of my adventures that I was playing. Um, there was some kind of like Algai monster um, located in southern German Lake Constance that was uh, trying to find a host and get to another place to connect with its mother alien and. Um, yeah, one of the students um, afterwards told me that um, she couldn't eat miso soup for a week because she was scared of algae. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, the, the the fear she got from um, she experienced as a character actually caused some distaste in one of her favorite foods for a week. The power of so TRPGs, was, guys. Yeah, yeah, it's immersion. Wonderful. All right. well, I think to first yeah. highlighted, you know, those good packs of interaction, communication, mm. meaningful goals, mm. even the learner centeredness. And those are all things I think pretty naturally happen in a TTRPG session. Mm -hmm. What doesn't naturally happen in a TTRPG session is the focus on form. But that I think works in very well. Whether it's whether it's beforehand and you talk about here's some kinds of language structures that may be useful during the session, or as it comes also post-session when students analyze their performance and then they focus on form. So I think that's something that really the, the task-based language learning and teaching adds to TPRPG that's not already there, is the focus on form. Because most gaming sessions don't stop and say, hey, how did we do? <laughs> how well did we communicate with each other? So, But that is something that we need to uh, train students to do. Otherwise, they're not as likely to notice and right. improve right. as a result of the experience. Absolutely love that, Rob. Yep, that's a great point. Um, that's where the teacher comes in. Bit of uh, you know didactic um, help for the students there to say, you know, you played well, but actually, we, this is actually a learning task. Don't forget, guys, we're, we're trying to learn language here, and these are the things that I noted, and let's focus on these for next session. Yeah. So the the, the TBLT wrapper really helps um, bring out the accuracy, the focus on accuracy there. So yeah, wonderful. All right, uh, I'm going to move on to last couple of points here now. Um, I know we're a little bit quick and we could probably keep talking about this, but uh, I'm a bit of a, a bit of a, a stickler for getting things done quick, you know. Um, so to Chris then, what is your kind of uh, your best, what's the most, uh, what, what's the biggest takeaway from, from the paper for you? So... Although the paper was actually focused on um, comparing TBLT and TTRPG, actually what I'm most proud of is actually the connection between having established the connection between narration, play, and game, because I think this is something crucial for for uh, language teachers who try who want to use it. Because on the one hand. Um, I think the use of D20 systems, so using a die, just a 20-sided dice and um, or Dungeons and Dragons is predominant. So, and this and um, Dungeons and Dragons is more focused on um, game characteristics, but there are also TRPGs out there that focus rather on play or that focus rather on an on an epic plot. But and depending on what you try to achieve, it's not only about about the game part it's also about you could also um use trpg as um improvisational theater you right. could also use trpg as um storytelling and for instance comparing your story to um an actual liter um actual work of literature you could for instance um 
confront students with a Faustian pact from Goethe's Faust and then, mm. then compare how their characters decided with the, way, um, with the way it worked out with Dr. Faust and Mephisto. So there's much more to be done and to be explored with um, TRPG. And, um, and actually, I think the, the drama part is really crucial for, for uh, comparing it to TBLT because um, we're already using role plays mm. TBLT. But, so, um, and what was missing from, I, I wouldn't say missing, but um, some of the pro- most of the project folk projects focused more on having students explain what their characters are doing instead of diving into their character. And this is perfectly fine. Mm. I mean, that, that's another task to describe actions. But I think uh, through establishing um, the three key elements of, of TRPG, I, I hope that I could um, inspire some of the researchers or teachers to try out going a little bit more into narration and drama and find out how that, uh, that part is working. Yeah, I have to admit that's definitely one of the uh, interesting parts of your paper, the, the the deep look at narration and from the improv- improvisational theatre side of things. And I know that there's some work being done. I was speaking to, to a colleague the, the other day about um, improv and how that and, and improv for language learning. So to take away uh, a focus on the D20 game side of things and more towards the play and the character building narration is definitely a nice take of the paper. Yeah, I agree. Wonderful. All right, reviewers, one at a time. Key takeaways, what do you think? We'll start with Jake. Yeah, so I just want to say that I really appreciate Chris's contribution here uh, because, as he said, it's, uh, it's contributing to the, the fundament, the theoretical fundament of, of, of what I do in the classroom. Uh, so... I was looking through Chris's literature review mm. and so many of them I had never heard of. And, and then I'm just reminded, I guess I'm more of a gamer than a researcher. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I just really appreciate that and, and the, the very academic focus that was taken here. Um, it, it, it just also demonstrates that, you know, you can research games. You can be very academic about them. Mm. And that's something that is, uh, you know, not necessarily, well, you know, we take it for granted as gamers that, of course, you can. But there's a lot of uh, maybe non-gamer researchers. They're into something else, and, and they hear the word game, and they think, oh, that's a waste of time. Mm. Or that's not really something that uh, we should be considering deeply. And Chris's paper, I think, flies in the face of that and gives us an example of that, yes, you can, you can take these things very seriously if you want to. Cool. cool. Nice. Uh, yeah, again, that's probably because of Chris's focus on the, the, from, from the side of drama and improv and, uh, you know, theatre studies that, that really brings, uh, brings a fresh look to this. Uh, flies in the face of, uh, I don't want to be too rude, but, you know, digital game-based learning, this topic that comes up over and over again. Uh, yeah, that too. There's lots of focus on digital games, and, and, and you know, they're, they're bigger, right? There's a much bigger market there. Mm. If you're talking just sheer uh, amount of money in the, in the industry. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, you know, there's, why, are, why are tabletop RPGs still here mm. so many decades later? And it's because of these 
uh, kinds of in-person affordances that they have, I think. And to be honest, I mean, I don't want to go too far down this uh, rabbit hole, but a lot of teachers can't bring digital games into the classroom. You know, it's, it's tricky still. So for just literally a couple of sheets of paper and some dice and have a, a wonderful experience, then yeah. yeah. Anyway, I won't go any deeper into that. Uh, Rob, what do you think? I think what's great is he that connection, obviously, to task-based language teaching that gives um, a justification. Uh, but also, I think in his discussion of you know weak and strong, he's shown that there isn't just one way to do tabletop role-playing game mm. in the classroom. There's lots of ways you can implement elements of it. You could go full-blown with a, a normal gaming session, or you could bring in smaller parts of it. So, you know, I think it's important to, to have a goal in mind, uh, but also to test it and adjust it. I mean, that's certainly what I've done with TTRPGs in the classroom, is every, every time I teach a course, I make changes to it, and might this work better, and might this work better? And, you know, I do it both face-to-face, -face and I do it with online Zoom, live Zoom sessions with students, and mm. I think it can work in both contexts. Great. Awesome. Rose, what have you got for us? Well, I read the paper from the perspective of a teacher who actually didn't have any experience uh, with TRPG. So I really thought the paper, as I read it, I became more like interested in, in, the, in the application, in education, right? Also, I learned about it, you know, something that I hadn't really given myself any, um, any time to, to learn. So that was an opportunity. And I was really, um, it was really nice with the TBLT comparison uh, because yeah. it gave me some foundation, you know, mm -hmm. I, I am. I'm specialized in, you know, using TBLT. I know how to do that well. Mm. But so it gave me some foundation to understand better the application of TRPG. And that's what I, you know, I appreciated the most. Because if you are a teacher mm. and you come in to read the paper, you have no clue. Um, also, it, even if they don't know anything about TBLT, you know, it's still... There are some foundation of TBOT um, laid down there for us to read. So I think that was really great. And I really appreciated being uh, able to review it. Thank you. That's a fantastic take, actually. I hadn't considered that. The fact that maybe teachers are more familiar with well, you know, TBLT than they are TRPGs. So for you, TV, mm -hmm. TV, for you TRPG players, it's like, oh, we're coming from this knowledge and into, oh, look, the pedagogical link is here. But for maybe yeah, some teachers, it, it goes the other way. It's, oh, I mm. know the pedagogy, the pedagogy. I know about TBLT. I don't know anything about TRPGs. Oh, that's how it connects. Oh, that, you know, that, mm. that's a really nice take. I hadn't considered that. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. I'm going to ask one and last question. Like, oh, go on, sorry. And just sorry. Uh, it's just, you know, it's leaving the story. That's the, that's the beauty of it, you mm. know. And when you think of TBLT, it's also simulating living mm. that situation. So they connect really nicely together, mm. yeah, in my view. Mm -hmm. So that's one more question, then we're going to wrap this up. But um, so TRPGs, where, where should we start, Chris? As, as someone like me and Rose, we don't really use PR TRPGs in our own teaching context. Where do we start? That's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say um, start by 
start by finding a system that um, suits might suit your students well. Um, because I'm teaching German, I'm a little bit afraid of going too deep into the fantasy genre because I think um, it's a little bit easier with the English context because you have a lot of gamers out there. So they might know some of the fantasy vocabulary, mm. sword, potion, spell. They might know that from from all their um, MMORPGs, but um, in the case of German, that's that's all new territory. So I try to stick um, through investigative um, role-playing games, um, especially to Cthulhu, because Cthulhu um, uses the real world. Right. And, it, and it's okay if students don't know anything about the fantastic parts, because that's what Cthulhu intends to. Mm-hmm. should be surprised when you discover a monster, because you would never imagine that monsters <laughs> even exist. So... This is why I so I would recommend um, if you're not sure about the fantastic elements for Cthulhu, you can even turn Cthulhu into only detective uh, elements without without any um, occult um, items. Items um, you could also go for D twenty systems, and if you if you don't feel comfortable with um, going for a large scale TRPG project, you could always co- uh, connect it to weak TBLT approach. This is what one of um, my German colleagues in Japan did. He works, I think, at Aoyama Gakuin mm. University. And yeah, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, he used um, used a weak approach without knowing that he used a weak approach. I'm explaining to him right now that he used a weak approach. <laughs> so I'm actually connecting him to TBLT right now. Um, but he used a normal language class and he implemented a small TRPG session at the end of every class for like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. I think this is a good start mm. to get familiar with TRPG and also to get the students to become familiar, not to to just switch from maybe a more um, introduction-related class to immersing them into improvisational theater without, without anything in between. Mm. Maybe... Uh, start out using some small-scale TRPG elements. You could even go for some um, gamification characteristics, which I just found a week ago, I think. Um, so they would basically just uh, create character sheets, um, those researchers, and um, use them in a normal um, textbook-driven class. That could work. Those, yeah, those are some low-threshold is, I think, of engaging into TRPG without actually being a TRPG expert or gamer for that matters. All right. And you can start by reading Chris's paper. Right. Sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, anybody got any shout outs? Any thanks? Thanks, mum. Thanks, dad. Anything like that, Chris? Who do you want to acknowledge? Uh, so, of course, uh, thanks for for the ni- very nice review it was probably the most friendly the friendliest review that i've ever received um <laughs> usually german review is just that out need that unnecessary song <laughs> read again so um i was uh very very uh motivated to actually uh actually edit the paper because the review was very constructive um and uh made a lot of suggestions how to improve the paper and of course, uh, with all the spelling issues, I mean, I'm not a native speaker, and German Basically, uses yeah. tons of commata uh, of comma. So, thank you for going through that as well. And 
Yeah, then again, um, it was a really huge help was uh, my university that um, uh, gives that gives me. An, uh, it's not a fund, but we can order, but we can order books for like mm. uh, for the library for around like I think three hundred three hundred thousand yen. Mm-hmm. So that was actually a huge help as well. That so I could order some of the books that were that I couldn't get in in any other way. So and of course, uh, thanks to my students who, through all the strange pedagogical experiments, I did in order to come up with a theory. <laughs> Excellent. All right, I think we'll call it a day. I think that's a great idea for or for anyone here. Just kind of another another paper that this this idea of putting maybe a compilation of resources uh for you know folks like james and rose who maybe haven't used trpgs in the classroom uh extensively is it something like really small like at the end the weak tl tblt that you mentioned mm-hmm. um especially even for people like me i think that's useful mm-hmm. because when i go into D or a tabletop game my idea switches to oh everything is going to be that like you know, there's there's no like light mode mm. in my head when when I go into these things. But maybe I should take a step back and think like, maybe my whole class doesn't want to go hardcore on this mm. just yet. Mm. So that might be a good idea. Mm. I mean, I'm working on a paper in German right now, and I think I could translate it into a playground item mm. for the English-speaking world. So I'm I'm. Uh, making a compilation of different ways how to integrate TRPGs into the classroom based on uh, the degree of authenticity. Mm. Sounds good. Sounds Maybe. like a very, very good could one. Be another playground. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Again, thanks everyone for taking time out of your day to chat with us. I hope uh, you guys uh, also got something out of this conversation. Maybe inspired to mm-hmm. to do some more work in this area. Uh, yeah, reviewers, again, I'll just echo Chris. Thank you so much for all of your hard work um, on the open peer review processor LLP. Not the, the smoothest of things sometimes, but definitely humanistic. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to wrap it up. Thanks, guys. And uh, hopefully you. speak to you again soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you.